0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to part two of the It's Canon podcast, part two, episode 10. How's it going, Phil?
1: Who would have thought that we'd make 10 episodes?
0: Well, we've done (laughs) more than 10 episodes per se. All right.
1: I'm doing good. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing really good. I'm doing really good. Doing really good been a hell of a week it's been a fun week and it's been a busy week this week on the show we ta- during the news episode we talked about a lot in regards to tv movies tv uh, comics etc 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 and you know every week we like to have a topic de jour a topic the week a topic of discussion where we can expand on our thoughts and our reading and you know kind of have this back and forth uh, between ourselves and oftentimes a guest this week is no difference. This week we have um, a really cool guest and someone who, you know, I've been trying to get on the show for quite a long time. And I really want to thank him for joining us. And it was a really fun um, conversation. So it was the news editor of entertainment at GameSpot, Matt Elfring. Um, also, uh, you know, one half of the duo at Wrestle Buddies podcast, a podcast all about wrestling. You know, Matt. Elfring just did an awesome job, and we touch on various subjects. Uh, We talk about TV, movies, uh, we talk about comic books. It's a topic that I tend to avoid from time to time just because, you know, previous incarnations of the show uh, really went in depth there. So I try to uh, avoid that. But I think, you know, we kind of wanted to get into the state of geek, a state of the union for geekdom and geekdom fans and nerds all alike so having someone from the industry with inside knowledge with a lot to say uh is always um, you know a huge plus for us and i really do want to thank matt for joining us on the episode and i know that everyone is going to um enjoy the interview and the state of geekdom so without further ado phil i think we're going to jump right into the chat so when we come back we're going to wrap things up in a neat little package and send it into next week
1: Yep, everybody, listen for the dulcet tones of Matt.
0: In a world where The Rock owns the XFL... In a world where COVID-19 is changing, how we do just about everything, every aspect of the world has been touched, including the geek world, how we consume our TV shows has been changing for years, but I think that over the next few months, we're going to be seeing a lot more changes, how we even buy comic books, and where we buy comic books is changing thanks to DC and Diamond In this ever-changing world, I think it's time for us to do a state of the geek, a state of the union just for geeks, and this week we have a very special, special guest joining us. He is the news editor of entertainment at GameSpot, Matt Elfring.
2: Hey Ding Dongs, thanks for having me on.
0: Thank you for being on. Um, You know, it's been a few years that I've obviously listened to all your podcasts been uh following your news at uh you know the various sites that you've uh contributed to including comic vine that's how far back all this goes and it's uh, honestly a pleasure of mine to have you on the show where we can talk about all things geek and it's a lot of fun um and you know it's just uh, we'll, we'll take it from there and we're gonna you know see how the world is going to change in regards to the geekdom and i think we're gonna start with the basic matt how about you tell our listeners who don't know who you are a little bit about yourself?
2: Um, I'm some idiot from the internet. Uh, I am uh, Matt Elfring. i from GameSpot, the news editor, entertainment editor. I've been there about five years. Uh, I was at Comic Vine for a long time, and I'm currently the host of the kind of silly comedic wrestling podcast, Wrestle Buddies, where myself and coworker Chris Hainer just talk about silly things from wrestling from the 90s and 80s and – i just a goofy boy all around.
0: And I love it, and I love it, I love it. It's th- Again, thank you so much for being on, and we're going to be talking about all things geek, so I think we should really start at the very top, and let's delve into comic books. Comic books really seems to be changing a lot in terms of, digital versus physical, you know, there's a lot of arguments on both sides and we're kind of seeing a bit of a shift into the digital world, but I still think that physical will hold true and king and the uptake of that is going to take a little, a little while longer to, you know, for digital to kind of overtake or even come close to the physical sales. Where would you fall in kind of this, this digital versus physical fight?
2: I'm not allowed to buy physical comics anymore i have too many and no space to put them <laughs> that's
0: that's exactly it i love that argument because so my little nephew he's 15 he doesn't know any better he's like it's physical all the way for everything and i'm like wait until you're an adult and wait until you live in an apartment
2: yeah <laughs> my my i have uh my office in my house for where i work my closet is just long boxes that's all it is Yeah. And I'm never going to read this stuff again, because uh, I also have everything collected in trades, too, that I really, really love. Um, like, how many copies of, you know, uh, Bucky as Captain America do I need? And apparently the answer is like four different versions of that. <laughs> um, I, I started doing digital pretty hardcore probably about three years ago when I ran out of room in my house and... Uh, Digital is kind of the way to go, especially on the DC Universe app where you can watch or not watch, but read comics on the DC Universe app, which is fantastic. That's technically free, even though it's just included with your subscription. Um, so as hardcore of a collector as I was for years, and I'm still kind of that way with stuff from like Silver Age, like 50s books. Um, digital's just the way to go. Yeah. I mean, I my house can't. There's no room. Yeah. I'm going to exactly. put stuff in my crawl space. You know it's funny too as a,
1: as a comic reader myself Who's getting older And my eyes aren't as good as they used to be mm-hmm. I find the digital comics are absolutely amazing For the zoom features Yes And the reading And you know what I mean Like you, you get those long written pieces That are more than a boo for a pal type thing And you know you're getting into real story And it's just great to be able to enlarge that Size it to adjust to the tablet Or the phone that you're reading Whatever it is, there's a huge advantage there with digital comics.
2: I mean, if you look at, like, uh, comicsology or um, wherever you buy comics, the, the kind of guided view to the panel by panel is so, so nice when you're an old man who can't see anything.
0: <laughs> it's so true. I, I used that for the first time a few years ago, and I'm like this is the best thing ever i've never been so happy and it's really cool and it helps a lot of people because i've heard the argument from people who are trying to get into comics i can't follow what's happening i don't know what panel Mm -hmm. goes next and i actually it took me a while because i had to actually think about this it's like you know what i've been reading comics so long that it's just natural to me but there's certain comics i find you know especially you know american vampire for example where there's so much text and so much going on in these beautiful pages of art Mm -hmm. you don't know what what to read next but you instinctively do but i can see where kind of if you're a new comic book reader sometimes you, you need that little help and i think that guided tour kind of helps you there
2: yeah definitely it's a... audio is doing it again uh one of the things that i really like about physical books is the fact that you own it and you can hold it and touch it um which you don't get from the digital experience but at the At the same time, uh, I wish digital books were cheaper. They're the same price as the ones you see on the newsstand, and you're (laughs) not really – those digital books can go away at any time.
0: That's exactly yeah. We've had this argument on this show so many times, and I understand that, you know, you don't want to cheapen the the market in terms of what your value is. You know, a book that's mm-hmm. two ninety nine, they want it to be two ninety nine everywhere, and I, that makes sense to me. But there's a little bit about that whole DRM, digital rights management, and the owning of it that you know, physical still piques my interest. Um, you know, and, and in terms of physical books, I've said it many times before, and I'll say it again that I'm a fan of certain books physical like i'm still gonna go out and buy my collector versions of batman or key issues or you know if i were to ever find my holy grail somewhere i'm gonna buy that you know that's not gonna change yeah. but my because i consume so many comics for this show just in general i you know digital right now is just the way to go i have like five six long boxes at my apartment i have more at my parents place i have more probably at my brother's place it's just ridiculous so you know for day-to-day stuff i'm 100 I'm digital at this point um in terms of collecting are you still a comic book collector per se or is it more reading for reviewing and reading for work
2: um i don't read for work at all anymore which is as much as many people would hate to hear this i'm so happy about because i did it for so long i get it (laughs) and i get to enjoy books again exactly um so i'm i'm actually only getting two books right now and i think i'm just getting uh in issue to issue and that's fantastic four and uh shazam i'm not really trying to find new books i mean i I review tv and movies all the time now and the books i i I love dan slot and i just want to read that you know that's it
0: yeah no that 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 makes sense to me and i can imagine like it because it was you know it literally turned into your job how it can kind of take yeah. a little bit of the the specialness of comics that you know even me like i've i had the blog of reviews and things like that comics i read for so many years and it really started feeling like a job even for me and you know i was doing this for fun so i can only imagine how it felt you know for you after so many years and and uh you know
2: I think it was like six years of doing that. And it was like, I was reading, God, what was there? I think I was reading like 40 to 50 books a week. Yeah. And yeah. And there's and you get to a point after, you know, doing that for six years before I went over to GameSpot where I'm like, this isn't fun anymore. And like it took, I stopped reading books for I think about a year completely. Aside from, you know, getting Trades of Walking Dead while that was finishing yep. up. Or Invincible when that was finishing up yep. too at that time. Uh, and I finally got back to a place where I'm like, oh, I can just, pick stories that I want and just read those and not feel like I need to read week to week because that was kind of it was awful for me because it's just so expensive you know you're spending 120 bucks a week on comics
0: it's, yeah the worst was <laughs> events anytime there was a major event and a crossover oh, event oh god you know you're just doubling the amount of books because you need to read everything that's intertwined in the story and it just that's where it just sucked a lot of the fun from me like I just couldn't anymore
1: yeah, yeah like, and t-
0: sorry, sorry I just think
1: now you have it with entertainment. <laughs> this is going to get to a point where you're like, oh, no, I don't want to watch TV shows anymore.
2: <laughs> it's It actually it got to that place with wrestling because there's so much television right now. Um, uh, I'm saying this as Raw is on right behind me just in case anything weird happens. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm watching it right in front of me. Be. I love it.
2: Yeah. It's like it's, it's eight hours of WWE television a week or something like that. Then there's Impact, then there's AEW, then there's, well, Ring of Honor's not doing anything right now, and there's pay per views. And it's like, I think you get to a point with anything in geekdom or nerddom or fandom in general where too much you become desensitized to it and slowly start to hate it. So you need to <laughs> do everything in moderation.
0: And that's something that WWE clearly (laughs) needs to hear from more people because just the amount of content that they have right now is just absolutely crazy. And they're somehow being adding, they're adding pay-per-views to their schedule. So it's like, what the hell is going on? But
2: the pay-per-views have cut down a little bit. I will say that it's, they are still doing one a month essentially, but they're not for a while. It was like 16 a year. Yeah. I think they're down to about 13 a year now, which is. I can deal with that better. It was a time where, um, when the brands were, brands were split, split between yeah. SmackDown and Raw, and it was a pay per view every two weeks. And I told my boss, I'm like, I don't want to cover this anymore. Like, this is, I want a weekend.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I, it's, it's just became so much. It's absolutely crazy. Um, so in terms of comic distribution and whatnot, you know, Diamond essentially had, you know the the industry by the balls um you know it's diamond was the the only game in town and we seem to see a change in that especially with dc uh you know they have new distributors going out to stores um and your comic book store necessarily your lcs your local comic book store might not be the only place where you get comic books do you see that kind of as a positive or a negative in the comic book world
2: um, so I don't know if you're aware uh, I worked at Graham Crackers Comics St. Charles location for oh god well I was in college and then up until a little bit after I got hired at uh, Comic Vine full time um, Diamond I hated Diamond I hated working with Diamond I hated like helping order for Diamond yep. they were the worst company to deal with um, nothing makes me happier than seeing companies move away from them do their own distribution systems Uh, more importantly, getting books into like when I was a kid, you can get a book at a grocery store. Exactly. You know, um, you couldn't get that when diamond took full fledged hold over the industry. Um, I think it's important to get those books back into grocery stores, keep them in the bookstores that are left in the world. Um, and also because it is moving more towards a digital market, that's important too. You can't have diamond be, you know, Uh, be the king the the king of the hill on all this there needs to uh be a more streamlined and better and more friendly to lcs's way to deal with comic books
0: yeah i think it's kind of finding that middle like the every lcs and i know a lot of people who are just anti-warner brothers anti-disney you know they're the ones who are really complaining the most and the loudest about this but i think in the grand scheme of things in terms of getting books out there for new readers you know i think we as geeks and hardcore geeks and you know we've been doing this for so many years we forget that there are people outside looking into our world and it's important to get those people that are kind of on the cusp that boundary and bring them into our world and i think making it more accessible and you know being able to walk down to your grocery store you might see a book that catches the corner of your eye i remember just like you said buying the deaths of superman at the grocery store because it was there oh yeah you know
2: yeah I think the most important thing, and this is, de- this deals with any fandom in general. Cause I mean, I was in the punk scene for a while. I read comics. I was in the worst of the worst scenes <laughs> when it comes to fandoms um, is that gatekeeping is the biggest horrible problem. You want new people coming into your industry and keeping your, the thing you love afloat, let them in and be a guide for them. Teach them about the world you live in. Don't be like, well, you're not a real comic book reader. Cause like cut that out. Cause if you keep doing that, your industry will die. Look at the punk music industry. It's dead because of the stuff like that. You got to get out of that thought process, make friends, bring them in.
0: And I think this kind of goes into the bigger issue of, you know, something like social justice and representation in comic books and those mm-hmm. who might side on that side of comic skate, you know, like, you know, how can we make it more open for new people? And I think that's the part that us geeks, really need to have a better kind of output towards you know it's not we kind of just like you said we 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 tend to want to keep this world as ours but it's not just ours and the only way where it's going to become bigger than it already is is to have more people in it and and that's having it more um you know anyone can 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 find that character that they can relate to and and have that, you know, that inclusive attitude as opposed to kind of like, you know, get your own type sandwich. It's like, boom, gone. (laughs) So.
2: Yeah. I mean, I mean, things are going to change whether you like it or not within every single industry and you have to be willing to accept that change or die on your dumb raft in the ocean. Uh, I, I, comics from when I was reading and started reading in the eighties and nineties are, it's completely different than it is now um a lot of it for the good some of it for the bad but that's doesn't matter we, we always have to be progressing and changing uh just to keep things new and fresh otherwise comics will die that's exactly. period
0: you know and 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 people it's funny because a lot of people on that side of the comic skates and the social justice and the being open side of the argument who are on, against it i should say you know they just want to say like look at sales they've been down it's like have you honestly looked at the diamond numbers like sales are not actually going down year to year year over year you know you're going to see down swings but overall comics are selling more than ever and there's a reason for it you know like um it's just it's it's for for it to be bigger more people need to be involved you know that market share has to be there so we'll see kind of how that happens but i again i do see overall the distributors diamond not being the only game in town i can see and you know we've heard rumors for a long time about marvel wanting to do this so i can see dc you know they just went ahead and said you well with the world kind of stopped or now we're going to try this out and i can see for sure marvel and image and other people doing this as well but again i can see compromise and kind of working with the lcs so, because one thing is making the comic world open but another thing is kind of that slow death of the local comic book store i always want to go to the lcs for certain things um so i hope that we can kind of find that middle ground do you think there will be that middle ground that we can find
2: i mean you always hope for it because comic shops are kind of the heart of the industry whether they're being sold in again grocery stores or (laughs) bookstores lcs is always going to be the going to be that heart, and what they should be looking to do um, and this is expanding the audiences, including manga is a big thing. I don't yeah. read manga. Uh, I don't watch anime, but it is a huge, huge market. Um, by the way, I'm saying these very serious things as two men are having an underground street fight.
0: <laughs> I was waiting for you to say something.
2: <laughs> well, I, don't, so I don't know
0: what's stupid? going on. I don't know what's going on right now.
2: You remember the game pit fighter? Yes. <laughs> That's what's happening.
0: Yeah it's it's fight club on it's this is scripted brawl for all this is what this is there's going to be a something to wrestle episode about this in the future
2: oh this is so bad oh (laughs) let's get let's get marty Derosa in here and see what he says marty (laughs) marty (laughs) oh he's 30 miles away from me i can't see him
0: i love it i love it this is amazing so yeah so where were we talk about distribution
2: (laughs) what about you you haven't said anything
1: (laughs) No, I'm. I'm just gonna point out with the uh, we were talking about earlier how people were having difficulty adapting to comics and adapting to the storyboard flow and whatnot. And I wonder if manga is is part of that too, because obviously, you know, like the fool that I am, I go into the store and I pick it up and I go, "Oh, look, it's North American stuff," and then they go, "No, you got to read this," and you read it backwards, right? And then it's, it I pitches you on your head, where you're like. Well, hang on, this is a completely different experience now This is a completely different audience And I look at when I go to my local uh, bookstore That section's growing exponentially, mm-hmm. right? Like the kids are really digging that stuff Whereas I'm in the same experience as you guys You know, it used to be you go into the, the store And they used to have those twirling comic book mm-hmm. distributors, right? I even follow somebody on Twitter that takes a week Back in the 70s or the 80s And gives you the comic book uh, titles Or the covers that were on there And I, you know, I'm catching myself going I remember that book I bought that book Probably off the same thing You know what I mean? And it, it was an experience And yeah, you're right You guys are bringing up very valid points About the fact that We don't see this type of penetration anymore In terms of where these comics are showing up and how accessible they are to people, not only the stories, the distribution, everything, right? It's being choked out, it's being put on that level. And I know myself personally, I've got a lot of friends who self publish because mm-hmm. of the mess that the comic book industry is, you know, and they own their own shops and they're promoting themselves and others along with the regular product in order to try and maintain. Integrity and, and reach audiences In the ways that they want to reach them And it, it's an interesting study on the industry That's for sure From a person who's completely pedestrian in it You know, I've, I've got no stake in it Aside from a few long boxes of Eastman and Laird stuff And, you know, and the original mm-hmm. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles And Sandman comics from from Neil Gaiman and whatnot Like my fandoms all grew out of that And then expanded into other mediums very quickly
2: well, I think when I think about when I was a when I was a kid reading comics or going to literally the story I ended up working at as a as a kid to get my X Men 2099s, um, comic book fans. It was such a niche, small group of people. Geeks were such a geeks were outcast at that point in time. Yeah. Um, but we're in 2020 the biggest movies in the in the world are marvel and dc and star wars movies uh geek has never been star wars has always been mainstream let's just be honest it was the biggest movie in the world when it came out but um everybody knows these properties and loves these properties and instead of um trying to claim we're people are original geeks or nerds or whatever we should just be embracing everybody and everybody should just be piling their money into the industry
0: (laughs) That's what I say about wrestling, you know, like, like bringing wrestling back into it. Um, you know, there's nothing that makes me laugh more than the whole AEW versus WWE, uh, debate. Like at the end of the day, we should just be happy that there's so much that we can actually watch. If you want to watch sports entertainment, you can watch WWE. If you want to watch, you know, something a little more grounded, you can watch AEW. If you're into the indies, you can go watch the indies. If you, you know, you can watch new Japan, you can watch anything you want from anywhere in the world. I don't know why in this niche market we're trying to have these civil wars and you know one upping each other in terms of fandom and and geekdom and it just i've never understood that like we're such in a, we're in such a niche market why can't we just work together
2: we're we're trying to relive the past i mean uh when i was in high school i mean it was the middle of the attitude era uh and it was wcw versus wwe yep. we're, we're trying to recreate that in our own minds um, but i mean wrestling for me i completely fell out uh probably about 2003 for a few years because it was only wwe and i yep. wanted choice Same. um and now that we have choice we're picking sides and it's like well there's a lot of good just just enjoy what you be lucky you have this happy. i mean be lucky that's that's exactly it
0: you know i think you know we've kind of hit that nail on the head is like just we're, we should be happy that there's so much choice right now wh- whether it's dc marvel image like i remember when image wasn't even around and you literally just had marvel dc and some random guys in conventions selling their little their few comic books you know mm-hmm. um, we live in a world with so many options self-publishing kickstarter really helped out as well for a, like five years ago everyone had a kickstarter um there's so many ways to consume comic books and we should just be happy that there's so many options and if if you know Capes and Cape Crusaders aren't your thing. There's something out there for you. Um, you know, you can find a comic book for whatever it is that you really want. Um, and we should just be happy at the end of the day. Um, so talking about, you know, the, the overabundance of options now, and I think TV and movies is a really important one, at least for me. Because I remember back in the day when any time there was a comic book movie or something based off of a video game, you had to go watch it. If you identified yourself as a geek, you were finding yourself watching anything and everything just because it was that one comic book movie that one video game movie like i watched mario brothers because it was it's mario brothers you well, hell know? yeah everyone yeah did. <laughs> you know so i felt that having um the, the few options so few and far in between you had to go watch it like i remember thinking batman forever was one of the best movies ever deep down inside <laughs> i knew better but i watched it and i thought it because it was the only thing out there basically until batman and robin and then after that we had to wait another what two three years before x-men came out and that's what really started this this evolution and revolution so basically what i'm trying to say is we have so much option right now on tv and movie and we live in a world now where there's just so much to watch and as a geek and you know it's been crazy to kind of see this evolution and you know you, almost everything right now in some shape way, or form is based off of a comic book like how does that how do you see the industry like from when you were kids to now and especially now covering the industry kind of like mm-hmm. you know everything is based off of a comic book does that make you happy does that kind of make you go huh do you see like is it positive is it negative like what are your thoughts overall
2: there there's no real answer that's um that works there because like It's great to see writers and artists that I'm a huge fan of and read their stories get made into big screen movies. But at the same time, some of those movies don't take into account the source material. And the number one thing I go to is always like Jonah Hex. I love Jimmy Palmiotti and Justin Gray's run on that, on All Star Western and Jonah Hex so much. It's one of the it's the best Western comic period. Yeah. and then the movie just was like uh Western and superpower and didn't understand it. Um, so you have cases like that where it, it's hot garbage. Um, then you have cases like, I don't know, I'd say 60% of the rest of the industry is brilliant filmmaking. Um, I, it's good and bad. It, it, it's Hollywood. You're going to have good and bad. Um, they're always going to be adapting from somewhere. I'm happy to see stuff that I'm familiar with from my childhood, be made into movies. I'd like for it to all be great. It's not going to all be great. So it's just kind of, I tend to, um, the best, how do I put this? So, when Heath Ledger got cast as the Joker when Dark, Knight, when Dark Knight came out, I was one of the buttholes on the internet saying, like, he's gonna be terrible, the guy, the teen heartthrob from a night's tale. And then I had like foot and mouth syndrome after the movie came out. <laughs> um, so I do my best now because of that to not judge anything until I've seen it. Yeah. Or at least until some trailers have come out and I have a general idea of what the movie or TV show is going to be like. Um, I also just try not to get angry anymore because you just spend so much time on the internet getting angry. You're going to ruin yourself and die from the inside. Exactly. Uh, so it, it, it is great to see my childhood come full circle and become the mainstream. Um, but at what cost? I, I,
0: <laughs> it's true. It's very true. I feel like we kind of... It's funny though go ahead
1: yeah in the same thing that Matt was saying, it's great to see it come back you know and as you joked about with Star Wars was always mainstream and it was. I still got picked on for being a Star Wars fan. you know what I mean oh, there yeah. was, there was times when it was hot, you know it was, it was accepted but when it fell off, you got picked on if you showed up with the wrong toy at the at the, the whatever mm-hmm. event or what you know it wasn't it wasn't always a happy place to be. And it's fun to see it now But I just look at certain things that get revived right now Because there's a lot of recycling in Hollywood And when I see stuff like Magnum P.I. And, you know, like these different titles That just get regurgitated and forced out I'm like, I'm very happy to see the comic stuff At least if it's good or it's bad It at least gets audiences Into something that isn't recycled Marketing trash from the 80s Not to bag on magnum pi or anything but it just you know what i mean like it it it's just makes me laugh now when my when my niece comes to me and gets excited about a show and then i think about it and i go well i know that show from a completely different context and it's not worth <laughs> getting excited about <laughs> you know?
2: I, I think and this took me some time to kind of realize uh in my own head as a kind of an angry nerd for years is that um when you see something like magnum pi come out or hawaii Five O, one one of those revamps like that is one million percent not for us. Yeah. That is one million percent for our parents who had to like watch that garbage show while they were watching us as kids. And they're like, "Well, maybe on this will be good because like I have fond memories of it." It's for a completely different demographic. And I think one thing people really need to realize within the industry of fandoms and nerdsom is that not everything's for us. There are going to be some things that are super not for us. Star Wars Episode One. I waited in line for that movie four hours. I skipped it. Senior high school one day, um, and then I saw it and I was super super pissed. And now I watch it now and I'm like, oh, that's this movie's for kids. The same for me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's not a good kids movie, but it's for kids.
1: And we we have that discussion now on on our show too, where we're saying like, like I was blown away by going into an antique store and they're selling the episode one figures in package for you know some fairly big money and i'm like that's crap like i have cases of that somewhere in my basement and they're like the kids have grown up and they have money now (laughs) you know they they want to revisit this in that fandom now and i'm like oh i guess i shouldn't throw that box out
2: (laughs) my my local comic shop had um it was eight anakin skywalker figures from episode one so like little boy anakin i bought them all out for giving all of my friends for christmas one year <laughs> like remember <laughs> this movie <laughs> remember That's how so funny. feel <laughs> oh man it's, it's all
1: about that because i remember when i was in high school we just had dollar stores open up and they had a case full of palpatines like the oh. emperor yeah. And it was the old Return of the Jedi figure with the big plastic robes and everything that were molded right into the legs. And you know what? We were entrepreneurs back then. We bought that case at a dollar each, you know. And it was there were the cards. It was a card case, so there's like probably ten or fifteen uh, 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 models in there. And we sold them all individually to the comic book store, <laughs> one at a time, for sixty dollars each <laughs> to get beer <your> money. <laughs> And he's like, where are you getting this? And I don't know. We just keep on tripping across them, and they're in mint condition.
2: (laughs) I keep going to the same estate sale, but some (laughs) dead lady had them all. And now she's a ghost (laughs) haunting every single one. Exactly. (laughs) So,
0: you know, we we also have a lot of TV to watch. Again, like movies, I remember when... Birds of Prey came out, and I always use this as the example, Birds of Prey, you know, around that time, what else did we have? Smallville. So, Smallville at the time was pretty good, you had this new comic book movie, I just remember thinking, wow, what what a world we live in, we have, you know, a show based off of Superman, with a show kind of somewhat maybe-ish in the Batman world-ish, um, and I thought it was the greatest thing ever, so I loved Birds of Prey, little did I know the show actually really sucked at the end of the day, but you know, because you didn't have a lot of options, you felt as a geek, you had to watch that show. Like it was your birthright to watch anything comic book related on TV and think it was the best thing ever, regardless of whether it was actually good or bad.
2: I I would uh highly disagree. <laughs> I, I, um, I, I hated Smallville when I came out, I hated, and I, I don't know at, at that time when it came to movies like if it's if it's a comic book movie and it's just, I think the same way now. If it's a comic book movie, I'm going to see the hell out of it. I might watch it a bunch of times even if it's terrible. When it came to TV, I was so picky. And maybe it's cuz when you know, we're younger when Smallville and Birds of Prey came out, TV was kind of slowly getting into its golden era that yep. we're in now, but most of TV sucked unless it was HBO. And so I just didn't care for TV unless it was like Sopranos or Oz or something on yeah. whatever HBO had that week. Yeah. So for me, when a new geek show is announced, I'm like, whatever, let's just, can we fast forward a few years till Battlestar Galactica comes out and then yeah. get right back on that.
1: Exactly. How do you no. feel? I'm just curious. How do you feel about like the stuff, like the CW stuff, like the flash and all that, that that's going on now? What's, what's your take on that?
2: It is 1 million percent. Not for me. Uh, yeah, the the first season of the flash i loved like i was super into it um first season of arrow too i really really liked uh but it is not geared towards me uh my demographic maybe my gender too i don't know um who they're aiming for it's definitely not a 38 year old (laughs) man who is married with a kid and has one hour to spare a week for watching tv (laughs) Yeah, um, I hear you on that. <laughs> I, I, I would say that the Crisis on Infinite Earths crossover, which I ended up watching somehow without ever watching most of those shows, <laughs> um, super ambitious and super duper cool. Um, and I'm sure that made a lot of people happy. And I was like, hey, this is all right. It doesn't want doesn't make me want to watch it. I, I might right. have watched like a couple of Legends of Tomorrow episodes because Matt Ryan uh, played Constantine yeah. again. But that's about it.
1: Yeah, that's pretty cool, because I, I have the same feeling Boris and I joke about all the time, just about how CW, I don't know, it completely misses me as a demographic, and uh, I just, you know, I I watch stuff, he challenges me sometimes to watch it, and and, and people listening sometimes suggest things, and I'm just like, no, no I, I don't know, I feel weird, but shaking my head, no, no, not, not hitting the target
0: audience so, so an example of that is matt i made phil watch riverdale without giving him any backstory or even telling him that. what station it's on
1: it's... it actually kept me up at night i was upset <laughs> there was just too much drama it reminded me of high school there was this twin peaks thing happening that i was okay with but the rest of it was bad
2: the issue i have with CW is that everyone on every show is way too pretty and it bums me out. I'm like, where's an average looking person? Where's someone that doesn't feel like they're on the cover of a fashion magazine? That's what I want. I just want one medium person. Even Jughead was cute. Like, come on. (laughs) As as a person who has met him in real life uh, at a a San Diego party, uh, great looking dude. Super good looking dude. Yes, I'm like, holy cow, you know, just, this just is this a... what dopey is in the CW verse? No,
0: <laughs> exactly, <laughs> amazing. Uh, so yeah, CW is, I guess, the worst example because of you know the, the CW isms, as I call them. Um, and you know, I think I can see past some of it because Gilmore Girls is still my favorite show ever, so. You know, I think I could live with within the boundaries of the CW up to a certain extent, but even the, it's too much for me sometimes.
2: <laughs> I remember when they made iZombie, and I was so pumped for that oh show, God. <laughs> and it is what it is. Like, I watched that first season, yep. and I'm just like, man, like, this is such a good book, and well, someone's enjoying it, so I guess I'll just walk away. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, this, I
2: remember seeing the ads for that
1: and getting excited to watch it, and I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs>
0: The first season was pretty good, and then it just became too much, too much, even for me, even for my standards, Um, which brings me to another point, you know, and that's in terms of, you know, how close to the source material do you feel that these TV shows and these movies should be for you to watch it? Like, are you one of those sticklers where if they change one scene, you're gonna hate it, or are you open to them taking concepts and you know and and, and certain stories and aspects of the story and kind of re- representing and kind of giving us a different view of of stuff? Or you know, like how close to the source material do things need to be, Matt?
2: I I don't want to see a movie panel for panel the same comic i read i i want to be surprised when i'm watching something if i'm sitting uh, like i can i enjoyed sin city but it felt too close to the comic uh zach snyder who i'm not the biggest fan of uh his Watchmen movie like that opening sequence i love i hated everything else about it because it was so i didn't hate it i can't say i hate that movie, but. I wasn't pleased with it because it was a little too close to the source material. They didn't do the giant octopus at the end of that movie, yeah. which is that yeah, That's thing. the best part. Yep. Yep.
0: And I'm happy the TV yep. show kind of, you know, they make reference to that, obviously, and, and whatnot. They so, show it. Yeah. I loved it. I, I absolutely love that about the TV show. And I was a little confused because I'm like, oh, oh, they're actually doing what the comic did, not not the movie, which is great. And I'm happy about that. that-
2: that is the best – I would actually say that I think that's the best comic book TV show that has come out, period. And I'm kind of glad it's only the one season now. Yeah. And that They're not going to just run it into the ground.
0: I'm really happy about it because we have so many examples of promising TV shows. You know, not just comic book, just in general, promising TV shows have great one, two, three seasons, and then you know they beyond jump the shark. Um, You know, even Battlestar Galactica, like a little the second half of the show. I was a yeah, exactly. I saw. Remember when
2: Starbuck was an angel?
0: Oh, that's. I always (laughs) reference that scene. I always reference that ending when you see Starbuck coming back, and it's like, oh no, here we go. My favorite though is still Fat Apollo. If 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 Apollo stayed fat throughout the second half of the TV show, I would have been so happy with whatever they decided to bring us in Battlestar Galactica.
2: My favorite was like I I loved uh, Dexter the the Showtime serial killer series. Yeah. And during the final season, uh, I'm spoiling this, but whatever. He like he's like, well, I gotta go away, so I'm gonna go take this boat into the eye of a hurricane, and I'm dead. And then there's a final, like, extra scene at the end where he's like, I'm not dead. I'm a lumberjack in Canada. And he's like, no, just, you should have stopped at season four. Just no more.
0: Yep, I agree 100%. That's a show that went on a few seasons too long. I, I, I always forget about that that show, actually.
2: I'll never forget that. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I think I I I'm like yeah, and around that time is when Game of Thrones was coming out and like really popular. So I think I just made a point and just not watch Dexter. And then Game of Thrones became that show where the second half of the series was kind of like ugh.
2: It's it's something. <laughs> it's it's
0: something.
1: hard as well, you know, the, the when they deviate from the source source material, you oh. know, it, it's a discussion that we had where do you want to channel you know, or do you want to interpretation in there with you i want but at the you know when it circles around you end up getting lost in some of that too when you allow the filmmakers and the, the content producers to basically write their own ways around things and then you go about mm-hmm. it in the first place you know it's like oh man you had me for two or three seasons and then you just displayed that you just never understood it
2: yeah i do want to say something about skype really quickly i haven't used skype in forever and we're using Skype to record this. Um, I love that Skype has not figured out a, a way to play your own audio back into your ear to make you not want to talk. It is, Skype, hit me up. I'm um, <laughs> on Twitter, I'm mad offering. Um, let's talk about ending uh, how awful an experience on Skype is when you can hear your own audio half a second after you say it into your own ear. Thanks. Yep. When it happens to you, it happens to me. Yeah. So I'm, I'm having it happen. That's why when I point, you can
1: put your earpiece back in because I'm like, <laughs> I have the big headphones and I'm like,
0: oh, I'm screwed. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get that issue because I have a program that does its own loop and I have Skype completely like on its own channel doing its own thing. So I don't have that issue, luckily.
2: You're but, so lucky.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. it's it's a great little app that I have. What I used to even record this show and pump in the music and everything, because you know no one has figured out how to add a mixer into software. So go figure, right?
2: Yeah, as someone who's been podcasting for two thousand since two thousand five, there are programs out there that are kind of mixers, but like I'm not paying three hundred dollars. I'm not gonna
0: do that. Exactly, exactly. It's it's, poor. Yeah, it's too much. It's crazy. Um, so, going back to, like, the source material versus, and, you know, how close you want that. So, okay, we're on the same boat. You know, I'm a fan of source material, and I think that you can get inspiration, but there needs to be something new for me. Um, and, you know, even just this past weekend, Umbrella Academy 2, even though I read the books a while ago, um, and I didn't reread them w- before I watched the show. So, a lot of things, you know, again, they borrowed a lot of inspiration, but there was enough difference because they picked and choose from the you know book two and book three, and boom, you have season two. And I like that. You know, I liked not knowing exactly what was going to happen. You know, an episode or two later.
2: I would say a great example of this, and it's because I know season two is coming, um, is the Boys on Amazon, a a comic book I find awful, um, which I read when it came out because I was younger and was like, yeah, this is edgy. I'm cool. Um, but a a show that kind of took out a lot of the violence and the cussing that didn't need to be there and really focused on a center point story and kind of expanded from there doing its own thing. I I love what that show did. And I wish that other shows would take note. Lock and key kind of did the same thing, but lock and key was much more geared to a younger audience. still great, but the horror elements were completely ripped from it. So I wish when adapting books or adapting anything, um, I don't want to see direct translation. I, I, I want the, the key story elements there, the key character elements there, and then kind of do what you want. I mean, y'all are screenwriters and Hollywood producers. Like, make something new. Don't make the same thing over and over and over again.
1: You know, it's interesting from, from my perspective. Um, in in some of the books that I read, I read the Expanse series by by uh, James S.A. Corey or whatever his name is now. Yeah. He, he has different writing names and whatnot. But the Expanse series, it's interesting because on Amazon they obviously have the Expanse now. Yeah. And the way that they wrote the show even when it was back on Sci-Fi and whatnot was not really following the books in a linear way. And because the books were so complicated, they started amalgamating different characters into one character. So the characters took on multiple personalities from the books and they reordered you know, the first book never touched on politics The second book goes into it But in the show, they introduce politics from the beginning And they end up, you know, certain books you're way ahead And other books you're not And as a fan rereading this, like, or sorry, reading it for the first time After seeing the episodes It's really interesting to see how capable the writing can be In doing exactly what you're pointing out Keeping to the, the, the you know, the important points of the story and then allowing storytelling to go on around it And I found that was, was really compelling as far as a fan and, and being able to witness that that discrepancy in such a complicated form uh, as, a, as a book Versus, you know, not that comics aren't complicated But, you know, they have certain guidelines around the production of them And, and how the story is to be paced,
2: right? Expanse is a show that I would desperately love to get into. I've watched the first season three or four times, and it is just, I don't want to say it's too high concept because it's not a high concept show, really, but I think there's just so much going on within the world building of that first season that it is an overload to me, and I can't get into it. And I'm like, this show looks so great. It's got a great cast. It's, It's just so well written. It's just, it's too much of an info dump on that first season. I just can't handle it.
1: It, it is tough I watched that first season three times I think before it actually caught For me and then I was like oh, Okay and it just kept on showing up on stuff And I'm like alright well there's lots of controversy With this sci-fi and then Amazon Picking it up so I got more and more intrigued And it's filmed largely here in Toronto So I found that that was An, an interesting thing Seeing part of the times when I'm looking at Sets and I'm going oh I know where that is You know you, you're just looking at Different parts of Toronto you're going, oh, wow, that's recreated that I can't recognize it because, as I mentioned before, whenever I see a show and I can figure out it's filmed in Toronto, I get a little bit annoyed because <laughs> I'm like, no, you didn't even try to cover up the CN Tower. No, this isn't Chicago. I know it now. <laughs>
2: you know? I was I was going to say, like, I'm like, man, should I like point out that, like, he has a Toronto area accent Like it's been because my family's all from Guelph. So right on. They all live in Toronto now. But like yeah, they're all from Guelph. I'm like, oh that's like my whole family has that accent.
1: (laughs) It's hilarious how how big the industry is up here. It really is. Yeah, I
2: did a set visit a few years ago for uh it was NBC Universal. So I did like suits and then twelve monkeys. This is I think Mm. five years ago. Um and it was all in a bomb shelter. Yeah. I'm like, why does Toronto have a bomb shelter?
0: because we're, yeah, cool like yep, we're cool like that we have a lot of hidden underground vaults throughout the city um even ones that we didn't know about where people literally just dug up their own underground tunnel and we don't know where it ends up going or anything it was it's crazy because i
2: think city.
1: <laughs> one of the worst ones that i had was a bulletproof monk i was doing tech work in the field and i ended up being in joel silver's uh uh hotel room hooking up his internet and he's just going on and on of a bulletproof monk, and I'm like, I watch the movie, and I'm like, nope, no, no,
2: <laughs> what the hell is this? Is... They didn't even cover the signs. <laughs> There's this really, really good documentary. It's like a propaganda documentary that I remember watching, like in 2006. And the only scene I remember from it, I couldn't tell you what it's about. It's Joel Silver driving through Hollywood in a red convertible. And like the camera's above his head. So the guy's standing filming him. And like, he just keeps looking up and he goes, that's the way Hollywood is. And then he just drives off. And that's the only thing I remember. And it's stuck with me for like 20 years.
1: I just recall he had a lethal weapon two jacket. And he was all about trying to get me to hook up his AOL account so he could get a free month for the show. (laughs) Just like, are you serious? Yeah, put this disc in. Get me a bulletproof monk at aol.com. Amazing.
0: Amazing. Like this
1: is the sleaziest thing I've ever tried to do.
0: Oh god. Oh man. That's amazing. That is absolutely amazing. So you know, we've talked a little bit about TV. We've talked a little bit about movies. We've talked a little bit about comic books. Now. We're going to stay with that form of entertainment, and Matt, let's talk Zack Snyder cut, the possible David Ayer cut, all the rumors, and if I can borrow a saying from Bruce Prichard, all the rumor and innuendo about what's happening in Star Wars world, how do you feel about the redos and the recuts and the second chances to all of these big entertainment titles?
2: Uh, I, I've already stated that I'm not a fan of Snyder, so uh, yeah. <laughs> my opinion is already there. Um, I, the thing that annoys me and is if you if you if you go on the Twitters and you and you just say anything about Zack Snyder cut, um, you will receive a plethora of horrible replies from very mean spirited people. Yes, <laughs> and and when when that happens to you numerous times, um, you you don't want to see the movie. <laughs> And I'm going to watch the movie. Uh, I, I just don't... I, I want to say I don't care. I'm sure that'll make people happy. I don't care. I would like to see the Air Suicide Squad cut because there is, like... The movie's terrible. It, it is a the most formulaic garbage piece of superhero movie we've seen to date. But there's like a like a little glimmer of something good in there, like the idea of the Suicide Squad that they kind of hit on, where you know Slipknot dies. Uh, spoilers um, for a movie that's ten years old. Uh, so I kind of want to see what his version is. Uh, I, I, I'm fine. I'm all I'm all for director's cuts and all and extended cuts in general. You know, to kind of give viewers a new perspective on a movie. I just wish that uh, fandoms wouldn't yell at me and call me uh, an egg covered in hair. When I'm trying to talk about the movie on Twitter, that hurt. Ouch. It was also pretty funny. But you know what? They did come back, and they said that
1: you had dulcet tones. <laughs> that, is
2: a, that is one review on our podcast that I have dulcet tones. Uh, we got our first one-star review this week. I'm real excited about that one.
1: <laughs> I thought it was awesome with the, with the, uh,
2: uh, the after-dark music and everything that you had going on. Oh, man. I don't know when this episode that we're talking on, on airs, but uh, the the episode that after that, the whole episode is after dark. Oh, nice! Every segment is about sexy wrestlers, um, mostly dudes. <laughs> That's awesome, Chris. Yeah. Let me do an, a whole episode by myself and set it up, and I'm giving him the worst experience and ride he'll ever go on.
0: <laughs> Amazing! Just uh, that, I love that on so many freaking levels but yeah like in terms of the redos and the remakes you know one thing is having a director's cut and that going out to audiences but you know there is all of this now the new canon if something's not good we're gonna do it again no, it's not and it's going to replace
2: no the um the, the news already came out that that and Snyder said it himself that his cut is not canon that the original version that was him and Joss Whedon is the canon version and his version is just gonna be in its own little pocket and I wish i wish dc um from the bottom of my heart i wish they would stop trying to be marvel i wish they would just do their own thing i agree shazam is such a good movie birds of prey is such a good movie aquaman's fun um just just make let it happen naturally i mean the reason marvel to me worked is because like oh we have made all these movies you want to just put all these guys in a movie together yeah okay um and I, i just let things happen naturally and now people are falling into water on my TV, and the Miz is yelling about this show's great.
0: I know. I, I just can't. I am I, I just can't stop watching.
2: <laughs> I just looked up while I'm talking, like, oh, the Miz is about to talk about people falling in the water, Cannibal on the USA Network, Dulcet Jones. <laughs> Oh, my goodness.
0: Oh, we are. I, I, uh, I don't think I'm ever going to record an interview not while watching WWE. I think this is I'm, I'm setting the standard, <laughs> Phil. Only interviews Monday between 8 and 11 p.m. Eastern. That's it. It's been decided. There you go.
2: <laughs> I hope you like tangents because we're going to get on a million of them.
0: Oh, yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> I think that's basically what our podcast is based on.
0: <laughs> it pretty much is actually that's why i call it the AIDS candid podcast it's just whatever happens happens at this point we'll talk about anything anything that sounds fun anything that sounds interesting so yeah so you know we okay so it's not going to be a part of the canon which is fantastic you know and and star wars you know there's again so many rumors and god knows what's going on with star wars and kathleen kennedy and all this and that is you know do you feel that they should just stop producing Star Wars movies for a little while? Um, is, like, you know, should they continue the movies? Should they? What should they focus on? Where should the focus be? You know, what's the best thing for them to
2: do? Um, it's whatever's going to make them the most money. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I I'm fine with the Disney Plus stuff. Um, the 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 last Star Wars movie that came out, I forgot what it's called. It Rise of Skywalker was that the that last is one? Yeah, the name. Uh, I uh, I think I hate it. I th- might. I don't know. I'd have to watch it again. Um, I, I I would love to see more Star Wars movies um, completely stepping away from Skywalker lineage. Yes. For the love of God, the Star Wars universe is so vast and so wonderful, and can we just have a movie with zero Jedi in it? Please, zero. Well, Rogue One. And Rogue One was great. New it was, Jedi, I loved
0: huh? it. I loved every second of it. You know?
2: On um, Solo, great, no Jedi. Yep. Even yep. though nobody saw Solo but me, apparently,
0: <laughs> the three of us <laughs> might be the only three Solo fans out there. Period. There you go. Yeah,
1: and you know what? I'll I'll give a shout out to Mandalorian. I know it's got a Jedi in it or a baby Jedi, but I like I just like that it's not about Luke. It's 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 about the side of that universe I want to see more of with bounty hunters and that seedy underbelly. And getting off of Tatooine, you know what I mean? Well, for the most part. (laughs) (laughs) But you you know what I mean? Like, I'm I'm just sick of watching these movies and watching them go to the same worlds or rush through new worlds. You know what I mean? Where they just ram it at you and then run. Like, you know, Rogue One was guilty of that a little bit, where they're just like,
2: here, now we're going there. And you're just, what's going on? I think that's, that's Star Wars in general, though. <laughs> I mean, I think it's about true. every movie, I'm like, are they on a planet for more than 10 minutes, aside from Tatooine?
1: <laughs> my, my, my biggest enjoyment was explaining to people that it was the forest moon of Endor. It yes. wasn't actually called Endor. <laughs>
2: it's just so funny, because everyone's like... Oh yeah, the forest moon. <laughs> Cuz isn't Endor, no correct me if I'm wrong, isn't Endor a gas planet? I believe so, yes. It's right. Inhabitable on the surface or there isn't if there is a surface. Yeah. Nerd. It would,
1: <laughs> it would be like where Lando sets up his next cloud city. You know what yeah. I mean? Gas mining.
2: <laughs> I, I do love Mandalorian. It was kind of a it was weird to see a uh, essentially like creature of the week or villain of the week show since we're so used to episodic television now. Yeah. But, like, in the end, I'm like, you know what? Like, that's kind of what I wanted from a, like, wanted an old school, like, Western. And that's what we got. And I think it it delves so well into, like, Mandalorian culture. Well, a a specific, very, very specific offset of Mandalorian culture, though. Was was that faction Death Wish? Not Death Wish. Um, Death Watch. Death Watch. Thank you. Death Wish. The Charles Bronson movie. (laughs) (laughs) Or the Bruce Willis movie, if you, like, reboots. Yes. Oh yes.
1: No, and you know what? I enjoyed the fact that they did the the callbacks to Clone Wars, with yeah. you know the dark Saber and stuff like that. They rewarded the fans who have stayed with it through all those times, but they also gave people who are maybe new a chance to go back and review it. And I thought
2: that that was really well put together, especially with Clone Wars finishing up. Yeah, oh, I thought as much as it hates me to say this out loud, and I think I might be saying this for the first time ever, and this is this is exclusive, guys. Yes. <laughs> um, when Disney bought Star Wars, I think all of us were kind of like, no, um, I'm happy with it now. But when they said that, like, the expanded universe isn't canon, it broke my heart. Like, because yes. I love Shadows of the Empire, love Tales of the Bounty Hunter, Timothy Zahn books. Um, but now kind of looking back, I'm like, wait a minute, getting rid of all that stuff, Allows creators to do almost whatever they want. They're not tied to canon, and in turn, you can bring new people in because that expanded universe stuff was such a hardcore fandom that I don't think anybody knew could have jumped in if they kept that around.
1: Yeah, because basically it was George Lucas sitting there going, uh, "If you got a dump truck full of money, just bring it along, and I'll 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 let you create <laughs> zombie stormtroopers." Okay, you know, and I I really enjoyed the fact that they they reached back and they grabbed Thrawn. And they brought them into rebels, yes. and I'm like, you know, like this is proper storytelling as far as being able to take from those legends
2: mm-hmm. and then
1: canonize them in a new, maybe more appropriate way yep. for the universe. And as a fan, again, you know, and I'm, you know, just a geek fan of it in general. I I thought that that was an excellent play. I would like to see it more consistently held from the creatives at Disney. Mm-hmm. You know, they make a lot of promises, they talk a big game to all of us as fans, but they don't necessarily walk the walk when it comes to actually delivering. You know, there's a lot of changes that are made in production of movies, and you have entire books dedicated to explaining a character, and then you completely alter how that character is portrayed in a movie.
2: Yeah, and well, I, I, I it, think... Uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No,
1: no, it's just tough. That's my my takeaway from it. Uh-huh. Like, I,
2: I think where... The Disney shot themselves in the foot, and I don't think enough people say this, and it has to 100% do a solo and not releasing it in December. We had back to back Star Wars movies, um, I think, I believe we had back to back, but releasing that movie in May during the beginning of Blockbuster season when there's a million other movies out, like probably 40 Marvel movies, and not traditionally doing it in December. When I say traditionally, I mean um, new tradition. The, new tradition. Uh, and not releasing that in December, like, To me, that's Christmas right now. It's like, you go see a Star Wars movie, you know, in December. But not doing that, like, no one was ready for a Star Wars movie in May. Was it May 25th, I think? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Back to that old Star Wars release, right? But And the problem was, too, is that uh, Lord and Miller got fired from that project. Which, I'm curious, we're talking about re-releases and whatnot. When you look at when they got cut from production, I think they had one week left of shooting. So most of that movie's there, <laughs> you know what I mean. I uh, Just wonder what happens if one day we get to see the actual, you know, because apparently the beginning was the end.
2: Yeah, instantly. I don't. The thing with the Lord, like, a, what I want to see a Lord and Miller cut of Solo. That's the question. Yeah. Is, the Solo, the movie in itself is just a greatest hits album, which is a little annoying about it, but it's kind of what I love about it at the same time. But like, what I want a. What I'm assuming, because it's Lord Miller, is going to be a super funny solo movie. And I don't think, I think the humor level was perfect for what we got. Yeah. And again, that's this is speculation and assumption. There's no basis for what I'm saying, yeah. except for that, you know, Brooklyn Nine Nine is the best show in the world. And they're the ones that, I think they wrote like the first few episodes.
0: Yep, they did.
2: Yeah, and the Lego movie, and like everything they do is the funniest thing in the world. So I'm assuming that means. Solo would have been funnier, and I don't think I'd want that. Yeah, I, I
1: I question it too. But apparently, just so we all know, I didn't mention it before. But Solo, the the sequel will be a a mini series on Disney Plus. Is the rumor mill right now, and they do actually have the cast locked into that, like Donald Glover reprising it. They they've got you know some kind of they wrote into the contracts that they can extend the movie.
2: I um. I wish you guys would you could see my Slack work channel when this when this BS news comes out from these fan sites. and I, I get so mad about it because it's like it'll be like Disney Insider says that they got the they got the scoop on whatever. And I'm first of all, there are eight million Star Wars uh, projects in some form of pre-production at yeah, Disney. Yeah. Um, so I can say uh man when i'm really excited for that upcoming ig88 series it's probably in pre-production um yeah uh, but but these these sites posted as actual news they said we have we have inside sources it's like no you don't you your inside source is speculation um yeah we knew the obi-wan movie was gonna was being world movie it's a tv show now i believe yeah uh we we knew it was being worked on for years because um, it's just been in pre production hell. Yeah, uh, we knew originally Mandalorian. I think was gonna they said it was gonna be Boba Fett. Boba Fett. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you could throw a dartboard at a a, a dartboard of DC Marvel. Sorry, Star yeah. Wars characters. Throw a dartboard. Oh, okay, what have I hit there? okay i i hit dash render there's a dash Rendar show coming my inside source of my dartboard across the hall a dash Rendar show shadows of the empire movie getting made four movies dash Rendar. i would watch um, that inside sources have told me i yeah, would watch holy, that yeah,
0: i would <laughs> <laughs> i love that game so yeah, much. no and I,
1: I i i agree with you and i made fun of it earlier in our in the other episode where i'm like you know what this is like Hand grenades in bathtubs here, guys are just tossing stuff all over Reddit and anywhere else that they have a voice, and it's pure speculation. And we, but people, most pick of this stuff will never see it. the light of day. And yeah, people want to talk about it, and that's the only reason why I bring it up because yeah. I'm like, people do want to engage in the universe and have some of that stuff back, right? Or, or at least pressure, just like the Snyder Cut. Or whatever They want to pressure Disney into saying Well hang on we don't need a new Greedo movie Or Dash Rendar movie But we do want Solo 2 You know what I mean We want to see what happens with Darth Maul We want to see what happens in that universe It Whether it be a book or a comic Or a show You know where they'd like it to live in some form And that's an important message That, that Disney needs to filter out that, that Static And everyone needs to cool their jets As far as getting the exclusive
2: I <laughs> 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 I uh, Disney shouldn't listen to fandoms. <laughs> no That's one, true. one should listen 100%. to One hundred percent. I, I as, as I finished that like that thought, I'm like, I don't know if I should have said that because like, I don't. Know, they did get that Sonic remade which i was super mad about when they the when paramount's like no fans we're gonna listen to you it's like no don't listen to the fans but then i watched the sonic movie i'm like i'm kind of glad they did that yeah this movie is so much fun
0: it was a <laughs> lot of fun it was a lot of i really enjoyed it i enjoyed it a lot more than i thought
2: yeah so i guess my sentiment is um, i say things and sometimes i'm wrong and by sometimes i mean probably 50 percent of the time except when it comes to news reporting 99 percent because i do my research
0: yeah there you go you That's know, awesome. the past five months, we've seen the world really changing. You know, we've, we're have we in the middle of the summer. I'm sure that if it was normal times, Matt, you would not have the time to join us for this episode because you would be in the middle of traveling or traveling somewhere for some convention or some show or something, you know, um, with, with...
2: Spoiler alert, no, I wouldn't. I'd still be...
0: <laughs> <laughs> God damn it.
2: You <laughs> know when I here's the here's a kind of inside the actor studio um, when I switched over to GameSpot um, and then like I was the last person from Comic Vine left at GameSpot, <laughs> uh, I decided at that point I'm done going to all these conventions. Yeah. Um, and so for a while I was just doing uh, C2E2 in Chicago because it's you know, I'm, I live outside yeah. of Chicago, um, San Diego, even though I hate it slash love it. And then New York, which I no longer do at all anymore. Yep. Last year was my last New York Comic Con um, because I was traveling when I was at Comic Vine in the first year at GameSpot. I think I was traveling – in total, I was gone four months of the year. Yeah. And I mean like 120 days, four months or whatever that is. Yeah. And like when I had a kid, I'm like, uh, I want to be here. So I'm San Diego – actually, I guess I would be gone this week because it's – it's uh television critics association, which we're covering the TCA's. So I guess I technically would be in LA right now. Yeah. I don't know. But regardless, I'd probably still be here talking to you guys. Cause I don't <laughs> like leaving my house.
0: Well, that's the thing. And it, you know, things. I know that feeling. I do a lot of traveling for work as well. In the past few months, have just been fantastic for me. Actually, being great. home number one, it really is. When you've been working like remotely for so many years, it's just something about being home that's so much more special. Especially your situation, you know, with a with a kid and everything. It's like I don't know how anyone with with child and wife could travel as much as some people do. It's crazy.
2: No, it's um. Yeah, like last year when I was gone for like San Diego it was the worst because I'm like, I'm here with my friends, my coworkers, all like my friends and seeing my other friends at shows. And um, and then I'm like, I got my wife at home and she's got to take care of the kid. Like, that sucks for her. <laughs> like, yeah. And you feel like dad, dad guilt and it's weird. And and then you just want to not travel at all anymore, even though it's something you love. It's like I'd rather be home with my wife and kid because I'm a sucker
0: yeah sorry
2: celebrities
0: (sighs) (laughs) i get that i get that feeling but has covering these various you know san diego at home and things like that how 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 has that been like, you know, is it, is it a change? Um, you know, I know that you did some hilarious coverage that I just died laughing with some of the videos, um, with your comic-con at home stuff. Uh, but you know, ha- has it changed covering these things? Have, have, you know, the marketing machines from these companies changed how they present things to the media and then you cover them or, you know, is it just business as usual?
2: Well, um, I would say that San Diego was a, um, a huge failure. Um, the the, And I mean that from various different angles. I mean, from a news coverage, it, it's a failure because everyone has access to the same news that we're all writing up, yeah. all these panels. Um, so anybody can go watch these panels. But at the same time, you look at the numbers on those panels, they're not great. Uh, I mean, I think new mutants and Vikings were the two biggest panels from that convention and they scored around 200,000, which is fantastic. That's, that's a really great number of viewers for a panel. Um, but most of it was just, uh, you know, like 300 people, 400 people. Yeah. Um, the, there was no big names or big shows really at the convention. Like Bill and Ted was the biggest thing probably, at least to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Kevin Smith getting bleeped 113 (laughs) times or whatever. I counted it. I spent an entire night watching the Kevin Smith thing, counting how many times he got bleeped and made that into an article.
0: Amazing.
2: Um, But at the same time, you know, we're covering TCA's. We're on day one, just wrapped up of that. Um, It's a lot better because it's, you know, members of the Television Critics Association only. Um, I snuck my way in somehow. (laughs) Um, So if you If you're looking to put on an event for everyone, I guess San Diego did an okay job. Funimation's virtual convention, I thought was a much better success because the panels were a lot more fun and engaging. Uh, with San Diego's panels, um, watching five celebrities talk on a stage is kind of a fun thing when you're at Hall H because you know you're all in this room there's an energy there that you know you don't get at home. Watching these same type of panels at home is the most boring thing ever. I love, would love to get into Star Trek. Uh, I love the fandom for Star Trek. That panel bored the hell out of me. I, yeah. I kept checking, like, how much longer is in this. I fast-forwarded through the thing, because you could fast-forward, apparently.
1: Yeah. From Sorry, from a fan perspective, though, too, there's a lot of exclusives that they make at these shows mm-hmm. that get distributed at the show, and then they arbitrarily just went out and started giving them to certain retailers which now you don't even like before the overflow used to hit us and now I'm finding here in Canada there's a whole bunch of Star Wars Lego stuff I would have loved to buy that yeah. went to Toys R Us and it sold out in 22 seconds you know well, so Toys R Us I know right it's still alive here in Canada but it kind of replicates I guess that Comic-Con experience too where you get to be disappointed you never even got a shot at something
2: <laughs> i think the issue with comic-con is they canceled it way too late it should have been canceled much much earlier so they could have planned something special a yeah. bunch of panels that were pre-recorded ugh, is interesting um but it doesn't it's not special like it's not it, there wasn't there was i think fx did a few activations online as well um but there's just you you can't replicate Something as special as Comic Con over the internet, mm. um, you can try. I mean, San Diego was the first I'd say large scale convention to try. I mean, there again, there was Funimation Con and then Anime Expo, the other anime one. Uh, again, I'm not an anime expert. I just had to cover it, so I try to understand what's going <laughs> on. I, I don't know. I don't know about you guys. I don't want to go back to a convention for a long time. I don't. I'm gonna try to get yeah. out to San Diego next year. I mean, you guys are yeah. fine. I can't even. I, my family said, "Hey, come visit me in Canada." And I said, "Okay, yeah, like I'll come up there." No, Americans aren't. We're not. You're not we're not allowed allowed anywhere. <laughs> yep. We're not dropping the ball. We're throwing it into the ground and pounding it with a jackhammer. Yep. The yeah. world
0: built a wall around you guys, unfortunately, or fortunately we deserve for deserve it. For us, <laughs> like it's yeah, it's been crazy. Um, yeah, and you know, one of the do you foresee the cons? Because it, you know, who knows where the hell we're gonna be next year? Who knows what state? um uh, you know things are going to be in next year but do you foresee you'll be that fine
2: they're... canada's going to be great yeah you guys will be out eating poutine together not socially distant <laughs> i'm sorry poutine
0: yeah Putin. <laughs> <laughs> but do you foresee conventions coming back next year do you foresee the companies starting to think about what to do next year for virtual cons where do you see the con business going in the next you know six to 18 months
2: I, I would hope that they would be smarter about it. I, I mean, I went to C2E2 this year that was in February. Yeah. Um, that was the last, I think that's the last major convention of the year, comic book wise of the year. Yeah. Um, I I would honestly say that we shouldn't have anything until maybe New York next year because America's on fire. I don't want to get too political or anything. No one's doing anything. I'm in Illinois and we're doing as far as like, States with a lot of a popu- uh, major population are doing. We're doing pretty good. We're starting to fall off because um, mask wearing, uh, for some reason, means you're not free. Yep,
0: yep. <laughs> it's same issues here. You know, we here in yeah. Toronto we have the exact same issue. And I don't know when wearing a mask became such a political thing. But here we are. I think I know your answer, but I just want to hear it. And that's movie yeah. theaters. What do you think of the whole movie theater, the movie-going experience? And, you know, we have movies who are just constantly being delayed, removed from schedules. Do you foresee... How do you foresee the movie-going experience and the movie theater industry changing? Do you think it'll survive? Do you think... You know, I know that Universal and AMC have signed the New Deal with, you know, 17 days to uh, premium on-demand type services. Mm-hmm. You know, but do you see the theaters going back to how they were before
2: um it is there i have no simple answer um because it is such a massively complicated issue with various layers yeah um i don't go to the movie theaters that much i went i think rise of Skywalker* was the last movie i saw in the theater and i had ample time to see that and i think i only saw like three movies in the theaters last year yeah um so I would love for theaters to open up in some capacity, but until everyone can be adults about wearing masks and social distancing and, um, realizing that the, the problem with coronavirus is bigger than yourself. Um, cause like, I, I don't know if I made it incredibly public, but like my wife and I both had it back in May. Yeah. Um, it sucks. I can't even imagine. Uh, and we're still feeling like issues from it. And we've been clean for a while. Um, But until you can realize that, like, well, if I get infected, I can infect someone else, can infect someone else, like, yada, yada, yada. I don't want to get too sciencey about asymptomatic symptoms and all that jazz. I think we we have to be as selfless as possible and realize that we could be hurting others and just – I would love theaters to open up, but until we can kind of, like, become more mature about this whole situation as a group of people, not just individuals – nothing's gonna open up for a while maybe a vaccine next year but mm-hmm. when you're rushing a vaccine and you don't have that I think they do like a one year trial before you can even like publish put out something yeah
0: yep. it's great there's,
2: again there's so many insane like layers to this that I can't have a simple I'd love to say I'd love to see movie theaters open next year yeah like my buddy is a manager of one and he's been like furloughed and it sucks and I love him Um but like <sighs> Yeah. It's rough. Look, here, yeah.
0: in, here in Canada, Toronto specifically, last Friday, Phase 3, uh, Cineplex started opening up their theaters again. So they essentially have capacity of 25. You know, you have a bunch of twos, mm. a couple singles, socially distanced. I don't feel personally comfortable with it just because it's a movie theater. How many times did you walk into a movie theater and it just, like, reek of something? It You just didn't feel... Clean to begin with, and now we're supposed to be cleaning extra into it, and I just don't see that these companies really care too much. And then add the public layer to it, and you know, as you mentioned, until people realize that it's not just about them, people will not always be wearing masks, and you know, whatever. And then. You know, luckily here in Ontario, we finally have the contact tracing app where, you know, you just turn on your phone, sends codes, and if anyone puts, you know, if you do get positive, you put in a special code, and any phone that you've been around that has this app, you'll get a notification saying, hey, you should get tested because you were in close contact with someone. So, you know, we do have a lot of these things now happening, but even then, I still feel so uncomfortable, just the thought of going to a movie theater, and it absolutely sucks because, you know, I do want to go out. And I you know the New Mutants like I I eventually. Want oh, to I want watch to see that. it so
2: bad. Like yeah, all I want to do is see New Mutants.
0: That's a, that's 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 the big one for me. New Mutants and Tenet just because of Chris Nolan. But New Mutants yeah. for me is the movie that I really really want to see, and it's gotten delayed to the point where it's almost hilarious. But you know I just don't feel comfortable going to a theater just yet. It's like no, I'm, yeah. I'm good.
2: I I feel I mean I think our theater, some of our theaters are slowly opened like a like 25 maybe yeah um mm-hmm. i feel very very lucky that i live in a state where um there's leadership that understands that there's a pandemic yeah. happening yeah. on and that mo- the vast majority of people here uh in my area like in the illinois suburbs or chicago suburbs <laughs> um wear masks like uh, they wear them over their nose too wow Ooh. um i i mean we i live in a place where it's like the, the idea we're all in this together is actually in the forefront of people's minds. And it's not just a saying. Yeah. Um, a lot of the other places in the country are, uh, you know, we've seen what's happening in the South right now. And it's just, all you need is just someone to someone in charge to come and say like, Hey guys, we need to like, think about each other.
0: Yep.
2: I'll wear a mask. That's it. That's all yeah. you need.
0: Yeah. that that's People exactly.
2: listen to leaders. It's hard watching from Canada. Believe me. It's... Yeah. Every
1: day I look at it and I just think of how many great Americans there are and how exposed you guys are and lacking some of that leadership. And uh, it's tough to watch.
2: Yeah, it's just uh, when I see things like, um, uh, you know, Sturge is the motorcycle rally that every mm-hmm. year, I just yeah, if you're wrestling, fan, you know, it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, WCW, um, they're having, st- they're still going to have Sturges. And all I can think about is like, man, like, I wish these people would get it. Like, I'm sure they're all great people. Um, I don't, I have a feeling that none of them have had, um, secondary, like no one they know has been affected by this. Yeah. That's, I think that's the problem is this kind of cognitive dissonance that's going on. Uh, so you see, like they're saying like 125,000 people are going to go to Sturges and this town of Sturges is like, no, please don't. Yeah. Um, you just wish that like you could get, drill into some people's heads because you know they're all good people and just let, let them know that like hey just because something's not happening directly to you doesn't mean that it's not happening like mm-hmm. that idea just please keep, keep your parents safe keep you guys safe like if we could all just lock down for four weeks like illinois did it. <laughs> yeah, no. yeah. We, we 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 were completely locked down and we were okay we're, we're on the uptick again because uh, younger people have no problem going out to parties right now, apparently. Yeah. Um, but if we just lock down for four weeks, if yeah. we can just get stimulus packages, too, there's so many. There's no simple answer.
0: Yeah, it's 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 a moving target. It's just so much, and mm-hmm. you know who knows what's going to happen. And then, you know, there's a little. I uh, I hear the birdies saying there's something important happening down there in no, early November. So hopefully that can change some stuff uh, <laughs> moving forward. So, yeah.
2: I, I. Uh... I, um, I'm not going to get too political. I just wish one day, for, for, for not even for one day, for like a month straight, that the gentleman in charge down here uh, would just do the right thing and be like, hey, guys, we need to yeah. social distance. We need to wear masks and just really say that over and over and over again. You can go and say whatever else you want to and go mm-hmm. tweet away. I don't care. Just just tell people to wear masks and don't promote weird drugs yeah. And just social distance. just do that. Just tell people that the problems, the problem is bigger than just you, and the solution is more than just one guy in a mask. It's everybody, like everybody yeah. in the world. It's, it's an easy buy-in, you
1: know. If we all do it, we're all going to be okay. You just
2: need people yeah. to
1: consistently say that to everybody.
2: And again, as I've already said, like you need uh, people look to leaders. It doesn't matter if you are uh, blue or red in this situation. You're you're still looking to. In the case of America, it's the American president for leadership in a trying time like this. Whether you hate him or love him, you still want him to be the leader. Yeah, yeah. I may not like him, but I want him to lead well.
0: At the end of the day, everything's just become a political right versus left issue, and it's just like, well, when can we just be humans and do the right thing for humanity? You know, it's just it's crazy that it's just everything is political now. It's, I don't, I yeah. just don't get it.
2: And then there's people like me right in the center who are just like, I just want to take care of everybody. Can you yeah. just,
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You know, so, you know, before we go, I want to open this up because there are times yeah, where I would.
2: Before we go, here's a heavy handed political speech. And...
0: <laughs> well, <laughs> here's the thing though. Sometimes I would rather speak politics and religion before we talk our next subject because that fandom is just as fun. And that's wrestling. Oh boy. all oh, wrestling fans. Yep. The internet wrestling community is the greatest thing I've ever seen because I try to avoid it like the... Well, I guess I should really stop saying avoiding things like the plague. Um, or in the... Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, but, you know, the internet wrestling community is, is a hell of a thing. But let's talk a little bit about wrestling and the state of wrestling. You know, we there have been empty arena shows for the past several months. Empty-ish arena in the case of AEW. Um, you know, ROH isn't even running shows right now. They're, they've basically been shut down. New Japan is starting to have... Crowds again, little, and surely they're, they're trying to get back to normal out there. Um, but here in North America, AEW, WWE, not really running any um, shows with fans. Um, you know, just a quick little state of the wrestling community. Um, you know, how have you been consuming and have you been enjoying these empty arena shows?
2: Um, Consuming-wise, not much at all. Uh, I want to say not much at all I'm still kind of watching here and there but I'm not watching as regular as I used to be because uh, again there's too much wrestling on Um, I started getting into Impact which I never thought I would say after Slammiversary
0: I got into Uh, Impact about two years ago when Slammiversary was here in Toronto they ran a bunch (laughs) of shows in Toronto and I knew the promoter the promoter of Destiny Wrestling he just always had free tickets and I just got them and had a great time watching impact it's like it's a lot better than you think i um, mean that's again when the lucha bros were there where killer cross was there austin aries was mm-hmm. champs you know a whole other um felt like a whole other generation um but yeah no impact impact's actually fun and the past few weeks have just been stellar
2: yeah um with all these wwe guy former wwe wrestlers coming in um <sighs> I I think that they need to start pumping in crowd noise to the empty arena shows. Just, like, let's pretend. Put cardboard cutouts like baseball was doing before baseball was canceled by the pandemic. (laughs) Um, Like, give—make me—wrestling is all about kayfabe. It's all about trying to make you believe that the things are happening in the ring are real. Um, Wink, wink. Um, It's, quote-unquote, fake in the same way your movies and TV are fake. Yeah uh so make me believe there's a fake audience there you know pumping the crowd noise like give me that energy uh it's i don't know like I mean, we just saw wwe is shane mcmahon's hosting a, a underground fight club which is the dumbest thing in the world and yet i love it so much already <laughs>
0: yeah it looks it, it just from what i was looking it just looked absolutely ridiculous and i think that you know it, for me, it's hard that where they are, like, I feel so bad for Drew McIntyre and Braun Strowman being given the, you know, the top belts in the era of no fans, like, I'm sorry, like, you cannot base any ratings numbers on their championship reign, and I'm sure that, you know, that there's a lot of pressure on them as well, it's just, I don't know how you're going to create any stars, uh, even AEW right now, I, you know, yeah, they have their stars, but, you know, they're still in the middle of creating a bunch of things and and their new stars and I just feel like it because there are no fans it's been going a lot slower for the most part you know but you did bring guys like Brody Lee you had Brian Cage but you know I feel like they took the momentum right from under them a little too fast, especially right Mm. now that they're trying to establish
2: people. I am enjoying Brody Lee more now than I ever have in my life. And I know he's been essentially relegated to be a comedy character, like running the dark order and throwing papers at people on BTE. Um, but I'm enjoying that so, so much. I think we're going to look back at 2020, like five years from now, if we're still alive, uh, And say that this year was a turning point for wrestling because WWE, which its roster is so overbloated um, And again, this is speculation and assumption um, because WWE signed all these wrestlers to big contracts when, when AEW came in. Um, so that WWE wouldn't lose wrestlers. Again, yeah. speculation. <laughs> um, because WWE let so many people go and they went to other companies, I think it's only going to make everything else stronger. AEW wound up being stronger, uh, Impact is already a lot stronger. Um, Ring of Honor will come back and it'll be fine. Uh, but I, I don't want an attitude era Wednesday night wars. It's all silly. Um, but I do want choice. And this is something I cannot stress enough. I love the fact that I have choice right now. I can watch AEW. I can watch WWE. I can watch Impact. I don't have to watch it all. Yeah. I love the fact that I can, like, choose which I want to watch this week. Yeah. That's great.
0: That's exactly how mm-hmm. I am right now. It's like, whatever looks interesting to me, I will actually watch that show. I'm not, you know, going out of my way to watch every wrestling show just because it's on. It's way too much. Mm-hmm. You know, between that, between reading comics, it's just like it just would consume every second of my quote-unquote spare time and i just i just don't have time for that but yeah five years down the line it will be very interesting to kind of see how and what 2020 did and i do believe you know the great mass exodus of this past april really did open up the floodgates for a lot of um you know competition to really happen. I think we're going to see some great things once crowds are back. If crowds come back this year, I don't even want to speculate on what that plan is. It'll be cool to kind of look back and see cuz you know if the rumors are true and SummerSlam is on a boat cruise, you know, Speed 2 styles, I'm all game for that.
2: Oh, we have we talked I think we talked about that like a lot, our last week's episode for our show. Um the ridiculous things that wwe could do for for summer and i i would love to see it on a boat i would love to see it at alcatraz i would love to see it on the moon um give me something super duper special yeah that's all i want
0: yep yep you know and hey when,
2: when I... companies
1: compete consumers win
0: yeah yeah exactly 100 percent, 100 that that's exactly it i like, think you know competition is huge. You know, you dropped out of uh watching wrestling WWE because they were the only shop in town. I did the same for the very same reason at that time. There was just nothing else. I was not really interested in TNA at the time. Um so I mm-hmm. kind of missed that those quote unquote glory years of TNA. Um but, you know, competition is a hell of a thing. Uh so yeah, we'll see what happens with wrestling. Um you know, I kind of want to I hope I can get you back on the show and we can have a whole episode dedicated to just wrestling because there's just so much I want to talk about. Um, in the wrestling world and yeah it's, it's you have to
2: bring me and chris on
0: oh yeah 100 percent.
2: your show will get nothing done
0: uh, that's I'm, I'm okay we barely get anything done to begin <laughs> with so <laughs> i could live with that um uh, so matt thank you so much for coming on do you have any final words for our awesome listeners
2: don't waste your time being angry about things that don't matter that was too serious
0: oh man
2: <laughs> this is the most serious i've ever been as a guest on a show probably because I... i'm so tired
0: that's exactly it. <laughs> That's okay. That's all right. So that was Matt Elfring, news editor of entertainment at GameSpot. You can catch him. We'll have all of his info and all the places where we can go find him and, and uh, all the podcasts he does and all the videos he does. And we'll have links up on our show notes. Uh, Matt, you, thank you so much for coming on again. It's my pleasure to finally get you on the show. And I hope that you know we can uh, go back and, and have more chats about the world that is geek. Nope. All right. It's done. done. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks thank so much
1: for being on that. It's been awesome. Thanks,
0: guys. Thank you. And there you have it the state of geekdom, the state of all things geek. That was a lot of fun, Matt. Thank you so much again. Um, it was honestly my pleasure to finally have you on the show. And I hope that all of our listeners enjoyed that. Um, you know, uh, Phil, any final thoughts on the state of geek and where we are and how things can be changing?
1: Hey, it was great having Matt on the show. What an authority, and just a pleasurable guy to speak to. It was nice to hear our opinion—our opinion, sorry—bouncing off of him, get some validation and get some different viewpoints. I think he uh, brings a lot to the table. What a great guest!
0: Yep, and as always here on the It's Canon podcast, we talk about a lot of things, but all that wouldn't be possible without our great listeners. Bill, tell our listeners and use listeners alike how they can get a hold of us.
1: Hey, check us out on our website, www.itscanonpodcast.com. You can hit us up on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook at it's Canon Podcast. Email us at show at itscanonpodcast.com. And you can subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, really anywhere you find podcasts. Be sure if you're new or an existing person to the show, Be sure, if you're new, to click the subscribe, get in contact with us, leave us some feedback if you've been a long-time listener. Do the same. Reach out to us on social media, have some fun, ask some questions. You never know.
0: Exactly. Thank you so much for listening, and huge thank you to Matt Alfring, News Editor of Entertainment at GameSpot. Uh, We hope to have you on soon, and I promise you, Matt, we will talk about nothing but Below Deck. Thanks so much, everyone. That's a wrap for the week. Boom! Um, We did. Goes the
1: dynamo.